Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Hello and welcome to our Elevation Hills and Penrith family today. Thank you for joining us for episode three of our series, I Get Knocked Down, But I Get Up Again. Look, if it was up to me, I would name this, I Get Locked Down and Get Back Up Again, because if you're like me, we're watching this in the middle of lockdown. Look, it doesn't look great. It doesn't feel great. But let me encourage you to really lean into this series um, because I want to help you ask these hard questions, specifically one with asking God, hey, God, who am I becoming right now in the middle of this lockdown? Because I can guarantee you that if we lean into the discomfort, to the uncertainty, um, to, the, to the resilience potential that is available to us in this season, I guarantee that God will build in you some, some amazing characteristics, including resilience, so that we can come through this season well. Now, there's a couple of ways we've heard about resilience over the last couple of weeks, and I've gone and done my own research, and there's some amazing scientific ways that we can build resilience. And one that stood out to me was actually the idea of changing the narrative, changing the narrative. You know, right now there's a pretty loud narrative that's being spoken to us, spoken over us. You know, if we go on social media, if we jump on the news at 11 a.m., you know, the narrative's not great at the moment. It's quite negative. It's quite depressing and, and sometimes stirs a bit of anxiety in our life. But here's the thing. As Christians, we have the opportunity to either choose the narrative or change it. You know, studies show that participants who chose to see the silver lining in a negative situation so that they could change the narrative actually became more engaged in life and less negative in a, as less as little, excuse me, as three weeks. You know, the writer of Hebrews hints at this opportunity to change the narrative in our faith. He talks about this huge list of people who chose to change the narrative by taking steps of faith in Hebrews 11. And then he goes on and he says, therefore, or hey, looking back at this example that I've just showed you where everyone's choosing to change the narrative. Therefore, since we are so surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. Well, what he's saying is let us choose, just like our forefathers chose, to lay aside every weight and sin. And let us choose to run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You know, it's easy to read Hebrews 11, which is the faith hall of fame, and witness and marvel the faith of those who've gone before us. But it's just as easy to miss the great cloud of witnesses that surround us right now. So today we're going to talk to three people in our church who have runs on the board, who've gone through the valleys and who've come out triumphant. And we're going to talk to them about how they did that. And really, we're going to see what we can learn from this great cloud of witnesses. So let me encourage you to lean in right now. Hey, turn, turn your TV, your phone, turn it up, get comfortable because these conversations are going to be life-changing. So without further ado, let me introduce you to our very first seasoned communicator. Hey, you're, you know this person, so I want you to make as much noise in the chat. Make him feel welcome. It's, it's the man himself, Stan Walsh. Hey, come on, why don't you welcome him to our conversation today? Stan, welcome to the conversation. Thanks for having me. Yes. Now, Stan, you are a resilient guy. You know, rain, hail or shine, 
We see you in the car park with a huge smile on your face. We see you, you know, putting chairs out in, in our church service. And sometimes we don't see you because you're doing so much in the background. But you have a bit of a story. You've got a bit of a history. Now, if you're okay, would you please uh, guide us in the journey that you've been on and give us a quick brief of, of where you have been in your life and how you've come to the place you are now? Well, well, I started, I started uh, as when I, when I left school when I was 16 and I, I, I'd done a trade as a, a carpenter. I went pretty good. I, done, I finished my apprenticeship and uh, I worked around the country for a while. And then, and then I just got into a bit of heavy drinking and I uh, got into a wrong relationship. And uh, my life was really going downhill. It was really, uh, I, I was just really depending on the, on drinking, you know, to make life easy for me. But it didn't really make it easy. It made it harder, actually. And I just remember one night, I was 36 years of age, and I was in my flat with this particular person. It was a, a woman I was living with, and um, I had a few drinks, and I, I was just, then I got up and I walked into my bedroom, and, and I just heard God speak to me. He said to me that I'd need to change my lifestyle. And so... I really got a bit of a shock and next day I just thought about it and uh, not long after that someone gave me a Bible and I um, and I read it for, for about a week and I, and I went to church. I actually got saved in this Nazarene church at uh, Kenhurst and uh, the, the pastor asked me to, you know, if you wanted to get saved and I did. I asked Jesus into my life and I got born again. Many people don't really know that out there in the world. They don't even know what it means but but I got born again. Yeah, that's great. And I'm just assuming now that your life may not have actually got better just because you became a Christian. No, it didn't get easier. It got, probably got a little bit harder because I, um, I didn't have a really good relationship with my father, which was not good at all. And when I came to God, well, he was a father. And I thought, well, I don't really want another father. But, but I, I just persevered and I thought, well, God's pretty... He must be pretty cool to, to talk to me that night. I, I know it was him that spoke to me. And, and I thought, well, I've got to really work at this. And I did. I, and I just started to, well, I just started to, every morning I got up early and I started to read the Bible and have a fair time. And I just got to know God and I, I really just got to love him, you know. And then in, in that time, uh, I, I was still in that Nazarene church, but I, I, I wasn't, I needed to, I need to move on from that. So I did, and I asked God, well, what do I do next? And I, I ended up like baptising the Holy Spirit at a, at a Pentecostal church. And I just had a real a real hunger and a desire to serve God. And I um, no, I just thought, well, I'm going to just serve God where I can, and I did. And whatever came up, I, I just worked at it. Mate, I don't think I've ever seen you without a smile on your face. Now, it sounds like you've been through a bit. Yeah. So what gets you through the hard times and leaves you with a smile on your face? Well, you know, I think a lot of it was true, just being a, being a tradesman, you know. Well, I was pretty tough on the job sometimes, you know. I had a cup. I probably only had two bad bosses, but, but I worked hard and I'd done the right thing. And, you know, you had to work pretty hard out in the sun. But maybe I think that sort of trained me up a bit, you know. I thought, well, you know, I knew life wasn't going to be easy. So I just became a tradesman and I never looked back. It was, a, it was probably one of the best things I've ever done to, to learn a trade and do what I'd done. And then I came into the Christian life and, well, I sort of think, well, you know, what's the big deal? They talk about trials. I've, I've been through all that anyway. So I just, I just went on and just 
the main thing, what I did, I um, I prayed every morning and I read my Bible and I, and I, I remembered Scripture. And that's really what got me through. You know, I'd done that every day, all, all, right up until now. Now I was 36 when I got saved and I'm, I'm 76 now and, and I've done that every day. And that, that, I think that's really kept me going, just reading the Bible and praying and and serving God. That's really the key thing, the Word of God, really. Yeah, that's great, mate, because sometimes as believers, we don't see that our faith um, also includes obedience. And sometimes even though we don't feel like it, we're called to still obey. We're called to still pray. We're called to still seek the voice of God. Now, you have just been through a bit of a health struggle. You've been diagnosed with some health issues. How, how has that affected your resilience and how have you stayed strong through these really concerning times? Well, it's back to the Bible again. You know, like I, I, read, I read scriptures like uh, when the lady had the issue of blood, you know. And, you know, God's the same as what he was yesterday, today and tomorrow. And, you know, the Bible still works. You know, I'm not saying you don't have to go to a doctor. The only reason I, I went to the doctor is to get a report. I got this report, what, 13 years ago that I had... Um, Right, uh, cancer, uh, prostate cancer. So I, I just, I just prayed to God and I asked God. So I was sitting one day and says, God, you know, when I had this cancer, I says, look, well, I was pretty stirred up a bit. I walked down the street in my car and I got in the car and I prayed and I said to God, you know, I've got cancer. What can I do about it? And I says, look, I don't want to go through all that stuff in the hospital, you know, X-ray stuff. I don't want to do that, you know. And he says. Well, that's okay. He says, well, just I'll, I'll uh, sustain you through it. And he has right up until now. So, and I'm just, and then I'll read a scripture like something like the lady that's got initial blood, you know. She got healed and just touched the hem of his garment. So if she can do it, I can do it. And I'm going to do it. And I believe I'm going to get healed. Because he said, he says, what great faith you have. And, you know, that's, that's what I'm looking at, you know. Yeah, definitely. Now, mate, you are 77 years old, going on 21 years old. Mate, you are probably one of the fittest, healthiest, most active person I, I know. You've probably got a six pack under that shirt. Look, I wanna know, in the last 77 years of your life, what's the one thing that helps you fight when you do get knocked down and you have to get back up again? Oh, yeah, well, I suppose it's just the resilience, the resilience. I, I think it just teaches you to be, to keep going, to not, not give up, never give up, because, because I noticed with God, it's just cast all your cares on him. Don't be anxious for anything, but cast everything on him. And that's what I used to do. I, I'd, I'd just give him the smallest things or the biggest things. If, I, if someone annoyed me, upset me, I'd say, God, that person annoys me. I'd say, well, can you help me to love that particular person? But really, really, that's real. I just had that relationship with God and I, I just kept getting up. Yeah, that's so good. Mate, thank you so much for joining us. You are such a wealth of knowledge. We're so privileged to have you a part of our church and we can't wait to see you in person when we're able to. All right. Thanks, thanks Stan. See you later. Well, what a conversation to have with Stan, the man. What a legend. Look, if you love that, why don't you let us know in the chat? Why don't you reach out to Stan, say hi, say we're thinking about you. Uh, now, the next couple we are going to introduce is part of the furniture here at Elevation Hills. You know, they've been around for years, um, but what amazes me is just the resilience that they have. It's one that's actually day in, day out. It's a choice that they make every single day waking up. So let me introduce you without any further ado to Ray and Judy Andrebray. Hey guys, how are you? 
Yeah, good. You're thanks. doing well, thanks, Prashant. Yeah, we're great. Hey, so good to see you guys. Now, when we think of resilience, your names both bounce straight to the front of my mind because we often think of resilience as, you know, being able to bounce back from negative situations or experiences and, and come back stronger. But in your case, it's actually a decision that you make every single day. Now, for many of us who may not know your story, in a couple of seconds, can you please let us know how this journey has been with your daughter Renee and how that's really tested and built your resilience today? Oh, okay. Well, with our situation with our beautiful daughter Renee, um, I guess it's important to know that when we discovered that Renee had problems, we weren't Christians. Um, she was three months old and we went through, to cut the long story short, we, we went through two weeks of uh, pretty arduous and intensive testing at Westmead Hospital from Medang, Papua New Guinea, to find out that Renee had a long-term problem that was going to only get, um, I guess, worse or not not worse, that's probably a bad word, but the, the difference between a normal child and our, our girl was going to get broader and broader and broader the older that she, um, she got. Um, and then for three years, we weren't Christians and we, I, I don't know how we coped, to be honest. Um, it was very hard, I guess. We, we went through a very, very uh, terrible period when we found out, obviously, because Renee's our first girl. She's our first child. And um, anyway, it, it was some years later that Judy became pregnant with Dean and we made a conscious decision. I believe it was the call of God at that time, but we didn't realise it that, at, at that time. And we just decided that we would start going to a church uh, because of our children. Part of that process was me being separated from Judy and, and Renee and Dean in the womb to go to Brisbane. And one of the things that happened in Brisbane, I became born again, which was quite a surprise because, as I say, it was the call of God. But in the process of me becoming born again, um, I went to an Ambor church and I was very, very troubled about how does a disabled person, child or person, um, believe in their heart, confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. And it's quite amazing because... This was weighing very heavily on me, and I was happy. I was born again. I was on top of the world, but then my heart was going out to the disabled people. I think, well, how do they do that? When, how do they believe and confess? And anyway, to cut the long story short, I, as I walked into the church with my friend who who brought me there, the first thing I saw was a Down syndrome boy, young boy, mm. jumping for joy in um, worship and praise, and. I knew straight away God was telling me something. So anyway, the church service went on and I had an encounter with God that related to Renee. Mm. And it was quite a deep one. But anyway, since that time, I, I guess we, we've had a, Judy became a Christian. We didn't want it to be our testimony, but in fact, it, it kind of ties in with our relationship with Renee. Um, and I'll let Jude go on then because we, we've, yeah. we have had many ups and many downs. Um, yeah. And we've rebounded, but but you Yeah. So um Ray came back from Brisbane, a changed person. Um, mm. and he goes, he gave me a, a Bible with big print because I was, you know, breastfeeding and all the rest of it. And um then he put on praise uh, music and I'm going, Oh my goodness, this isn't my husband. <laughs> it was this stranger. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he said, Oh, do you want to go to church on Sunday? And I said, Yeah, sure, you know. I'm open to going, that'll be good. So anyway, we went, went a few times and then I got saved and I was pregnant with Dean 
and I got baptised. So, you know, when I got saved and baptised, any fear that I had that, you know, something was going to be wrong with Dean, it just went out the window. Yeah, then, then life kicked in and, yeah. you know, we've had a few things happen with Renee, but, yeah, we, we, we I guess we just know we can trust God in, yeah. in, in whatever happens. We, we just know that. It's, it's kind of hard to explain that. You know, the one thing that amazes me is that you talk about that transition from going to not believing in Jesus to becoming a Christian, and yet you still say that you did go through some mountaintops, but you still had some lows. And I think that is so relevant to people right now because just because we're Christians doesn't make things easier, but we have this hope that you're talking about. So I really want to dig into that. What is the, the process or take us on the journey uh, that you guys walk every single day when you wake up day in, day out, and you have to choose how to take care and support Renee the way that potentially Jesus yeah. may? Um, I think, you know, um, for me personally, um, having um, a really good prayer partner weekly as support was really good. And also, you know, going to Bible study, having support, you know, learning mm. more, about the word and getting deeper into the word, um, just having really good Christian friends around to, you know, mm. something goes wrong, you just get on the phone and say, hey, this is happening with Renee, can you pray with me? And that was, mm. you know, brilliant, really good, you know, just helped so much. Um, and just we just trusted in the Lord that he would look after us, our yeah. help, and Renee. Um, yeah. You know, Renee could have died many a time, you know, she'll have a seizure in a bed. Yeah. Um, and she could go yeah, in the middle of the night, but no, the Lord looks after her. That's a good example because um yeah, yeah under normal circumstances we'd yeah. be so fearful yeah, of something not. happening when we're not there. But you know, we, we just trust God will protect her, that he's got yeah. an angel by her side. Yes. Um, he's got his Holy Spirit anointing over her yeah. and that nothing, no no harm will come to her, yeah. you know, outside of what befalls, you know, yeah. the human condition. But um, Renee, she's she's taught, you know, she's given me so much patience mm. and, um, you know, strength, compassion, love, reasons to pray, yeah. <laughs> lots of reasons. Um, nursing school, she's given me grey hair, but, you know, <laughs> She's a she's awesome. Yeah. yeah, we've had to discipline her too. I mean, I've, I don't know how many times I've threatened to put her out the front for a council pickup if she didn't shape up or ship out. Yeah. Wow, I love that you guys have such a sense of humour about it. Now, if I can ask you something, maybe a little bit personal, but I think it'll be powerful. Um, how has this journey with Renee affected your marriage? Yeah. Well, I think in our case, it's brought us closer together Definitely, as a team. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know in a lot of cases when, you know, the child's disabled or has got problems, you know, the marriages break up. But for us... It's all too common. It's yeah. it's brought our marriage closer. We're, we're a team, Jesus and us and Renee. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. We're it, a team. <laughs> it just happens sort of, I guess you'd say organically in a way, isn't it? Like, yeah, um, yeah we, we know our roles. Like in the yeah. morning I'll get up, I do what I've got to do for Renee. Yeah. Um, she's in a chair. I, I pass her to duty. Judy yeah. takes over and does the second, yeah. you know, and we just, it's just down pat now. Um, we have our mind you, she's 30, she's approaching 37 years of age, so we should have got it right by now. 
but one of the verses that I've always stood on is Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in mm. all your ways so much submit to him mm. and he will make your path straight. So that's always been one of my favourite verses that's, mm. you know, helped me through. Now as we come to a close, uh, what's one piece of advice that you guys can share with us specifically around choosing resilience day in and day out? Mm. Want me to go first? Yeah, you go yeah. first. Look, <laughs> it's, a, it's just, in, in a sense, yeah. it's a tough question. Yeah. Um, but I think no matter what befalls yes. us as a family, yes. we do have this innate trust yes. that all things work together for the good to yes. those who love the Lord. Yes. And we kind of lean, not, not on that verse so much, but just on the fact God is God. I mean, yeah. who else do we have? I mean, he you can't is, trust anyone else but him. There's no one but him. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it's hard to know. We, we don't sort of grab onto a verse and say, okay, that's what's made us bounce back. I think God helps us bounce back. He, yeah, he, he is our resilience. Let yeah. me put it that way. Yeah, he, yeah. Hey, guys, thank you so much for sharing with us. You are such an integral part of this family. Um, I'm praying that your faithfulness really provides some fruitfulness for us that we can take away and use in our lives. So thanks once again. Yeah. Thanks, Prashant. Thanks a lot. Keep in mind, our church is our family. Yes. <laughs> How good was that conversation with the Andrew Braves? If you have not met them yet, why don't you reach out, say hi. Uh, they have so much to give. If you, if you love that conversation, let us know in the chat right now. Encourage them. I'm sure they're watching right now. They'd love to hear from you. Now, the next conversation that we're going to have and our last conversation for today is from someone in our church who is a giant of the faith. In INC, he's planted churches, he's led churches, and now he coaches leaders and pastors to do what he has done. So without further ado, he does not need an introduction. We have Dave Schaefer joining us today. Welcome, Dave. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you, Press. Great to be here. And can I say... Congratulations to you and Paige for um, uh, it looks to me like you're heading up the most vibrant and, uh, I don't know, revival, you know, infused part of the whole church. Uh, that's what I hear anyway. Am I right? Oh, mate, it's not by chance that our church is full of seniors and young adults and it's not by chance that we are doing this right now because I believe that the seniors in our church have just laid such a strong foundation and I believe that the youth and young adults have such a sense of direction chasing after what you guys have done. So I'd love to just unpack that and I love that we get to do this because I want to learn from your life because in your life resilience is something that is core to who you are. You know, when I think of resilience, when I think of grief and loss, uh, I think of you, and I, I don't say that in a bad way, but, you know, resilience is often seen as bouncing back from negative experiences. And I know that you have gone through experiences in your life that may be looked at as negative, but for those who may not know your journey, uh, can you give us a bit of an overview and, and a brief on where you've been, where you've been in your life and, and how you've been, uh, planted and growing in the season you are now? Well, you know, when I look at, we're doing this on Zoom and I can see your wonderful young face and I can see mine. 
And I, I can tell you, I used to look a lot different to this. I used to have a young, vibrant, um, you know, face that looked like it was ready to conquer the world. Um, and uh, your question was about grief and the difficult times you go through. Can I just make a point? It, it is true. I've been through 10 or 11 seasons of grief. And uh, when you hit some of the tougher ones of those, it does rattle your cage. But if you're going through rather than staying there, uh, you get you, you get to a place where you think, well, that wasn't as hard as I thought it might have been, and God was with me all the way, and you tend to um, build a perspective of life and how God's involved in your life and your capacity to um, sustain that. But can I say that it's, you know, I haven't been sitting around just waiting, and I'm not saying you're inferring this, but just waiting for hard times to come and living in a defensive posture. Uh, most of the fights I've had in life I've picked. You know, like, like the, the, the word tells us how we're meant to live. It says we're meant to run through a troop and leap over a wall. Uh, it says um, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Uh, it talks about, if you know Acts 1.8, about being filled with the Spirit and then taking the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea and, you know, Samaria, the uttermost. But that doesn't sound like a defensive church. And, and the beautiful thing about resilience, I think, is that if you get on the front foot and you take the fight like you're meant to up to the kingdom of darkness rather than sit around in, in your Christian state and wait to be attacked by the kingdom of darkness, you, you'll get enough of those. But wouldn't it be better if being filled with the Holy Spirit, we just went out there and started to smash the kingdom of darkness? And then, of course, you're going to get bruised and shot at and fired at and all the rest of it. But it's far better to, for that to happen while you're on the offensive, not the defensive. Right. And the bruises, which you so eloquently put, are almost necessary to us in our faith, because if we can't go through the hard times with God, then we can't actually build a faith that is tested and refined as, as Peter so, uh, so well puts. Now, grief and loss, Dave, we're talking about this in your life and, and you have spoken and, and wrote, written books about grief and loss so much so because you, you really believe that this is an integral part of our faith. You know, as Christians, sometimes we look to move quickly to the comfort zone to get out of our own pain and hurt, where, where instead we should potentially be focusing on how to grieve well. So when it comes to resilience, Dave, what is the role of grieving well in building resilience? You know, grieving well is about not giving up in a hard time. And the word resilience is all about strength and um, very few of us uh, would, would disagree with the fact that strength is one of the most important things you'll have in life. What's the point of having a vision, a passion, um, you know, all the things that go with uh, dreaming great dreams if you don't have the strength to walk the journey and complete it and get there? So strength really is, that's why God said to Joshua, be strong. 
seven times he got the B strong. So, so when you think about that, I mean, you, you really only discover the value of, of seasons of loss and grief in hindsight. And now that I have some hindsight, I know that grief is an opportunity that God gives us to meet him in the valley rather than the mountaintop. The mountaintop's always glorified as some wonderful place where you feel great. But when you think about a valley, that's, that's where the fertile land is. That's where things grow the best. That's where it floods and the flood uh, mud gets all over, top dresses the ground and where all the, you know, all the important things grow and feed nourishes. And so what happens in that valley is really, really important. Um, the, they can tear, can I be use the vernacular, is that all right? They can tear the guts out of you, but you do survive that. And you come through, if you, if you come through with God, it's an important um, uh, place of new strength. And maybe I could share one little experience. Uh, a friend of mine, Jeff Woodward, was in Sydney and I'd lost my wife and my daughter, and uh, we went out for a dinner. And he said, "How's how's your relationship with God?" And nobody had asked me that question. And I realised in that moment that I had taken a polite step away from God. I didn't stop going to church. I didn't stop reading the Bible. I didn't stop praying. But I had moved one one polite step away from God because. The person I used to implicitly trust as a loving father, in my understanding now, had become a dangerous and unpredictable ally. Mate, that is awesome. I love that you talk about the imagery of going through the valley and the growth and just the goodness that's uh, within the mud and within the muck, almost as if the, the mess is necessary. Now, I want to ask you a question because I think it's one that many people are asking. What do we do when we do go through the valley, but we can't get out? Where we potentially don't have the ability to do so ourselves, where we may not see the exit route or we may not see the light at the end of the tunnel. For anyone who's watching right now who's thinking, I just can't get out of this mess, even though I know that I'm called by God to do so, what's a few next steps that you can provide that will help them see the light at the end of the tunnel? I'm glad you asked that question. Um, the, one of the, the typical, one of the top wrong things that we do in a season of grief is we isolate. Um, if you think of a wounded animal in the forest, it goes away and crawls into an isolated place where it can either die or get better. And human beings tend to do the same thing. And it never makes sense um, in, in the world of torture, solitary confinement is the same word as isolation. And people who have been tortured in prisons, uh, you know, held by enemies, say that the worst, the very worst kind of torture inflicted upon them was solitary confinement. Um, and, uh, and so what do we do? We go through a season of loss and then if we don't watch ourselves, we isolate and we add solitary confinement to our loss. I mean, as if we weren't beat up and bruised enough to start off with and now we add torture to what we're going through. 
That's great, Dave. Thanks so much for being vulnerable and opening up to us. Now, as we come to a close, I'd love it if you could just think back on your years and advise us of maybe one thing that keeps you going when you do get knocked down and know that you have to get back up and keep going forward. You know, to be honest, Presh, I just don't think there's any other way to go when you get in a hard time. And it's not like it occurs to me at the time. It's when you get through it and you look back and you say, why did I see it as a negative experience when God promises us that we're going to get pruned? If we've borne good fruit in one season, we are going to get pruned so we'll bear better fruit and more fruit in the next season. And if we would stop looking at life circumstances as negatives, I mean, just today, for example, Tool has gone up to uh, Westmead Hospital to have an oncology visit. She comes out, trips on the sidewalk, and now she's in hospital tonight because she, she had a dislocated shoulder and she's and a broken arm right up near the shoulder socket. Um, so <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about it, one day that would have shattered me, you know, and probably I'll shed a few tears and there'll be emotion and exhaustion through this journey. But the deal is that there's an inner strength that God can build in us that'll take us through and all the way into heaven. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Dave. We love that you're a part of our family. Uh, we, we are so appreciative of your wisdom and your knowledge and experience. And we are praying for Tula right now as she is recovering. We're praying for a complete healing. Uh, but I just want to honour you and, and say thank you for sowing into us while she's going through um, this season. And we can't wait to see you in person so we can potentially give you a socially distanced hug or something like that. But thanks for being on with us. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you, Presh. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Dave. Isn't it great that we can just hear from people in our church who have really chosen to change the narrative in their situation by choosing to be resilient? And uh, if you're watching this and the narrative that you are hearing or speaking over your life or uh, which is being speak spoken over you is too hard to handle, I just want to pray with you right now because I think that Jesus can break that. And I think that Jesus has given us a narrative that works so much better, that is so full of peace, so full of joy, and just so full of the supernatural power. So, Father, I just pray that right now you just use a supernatural shift to cleanse the minds and the hearts of people who are struggling with the narrative that they're hearing in today's society. God, as they step forward into uh, their seasons, where, whether it be lockdown or back in at work or whatever that looks like, God, we know that things are not the same as they used to be and, and things are hard right now. And God, we just bring to you um, the pain we feel, the anxiety we feel, and just the confusion because we know that you are the God who is sovereign. You are the God who is uh, ruler over all, that everything bows at, 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 the, at your name. And God, we know that if we submit this to you right now, that you can change this in just an instant. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be uh, watching along and you may not even know, you know who Jesus is or who God is. And I really just want to ask you a simple question. Who is God to you? Who is God to you? Is He someone who is a spiritual being who kind of lives in the clouds and you know punishes us for not doing what He wants? Or 
maybe to you he's someone who is a spirit that lives in each person and you know we all connect and become God and I, I don't know where your view of God is but let me just tell you that the God of the Bible loves you you know we just heard about resilience time after time and every single person came back to that one fact that they knew God would love them regardless of if they're on the mountaintop or the valley and that gave them hope so today I want to give you an opportunity to choose to change your own narrative your narrative might look quite dull right now you may be getting knocked down but finding it quite hard to get back up and we're not saying that this is going to be easier but you will have a hope you will have a joy you will have a peace that comes by knowing Jesus so if that's you I just want to pray with you to give you an opportunity to choose Jesus today so that he can change your narrative father I thank you that there's people right now choosing to change their narrative there's people right now choosing to be resilient by choosing you and father I pray that as you meet them today I pray you meet them in a new way I pray you meet them through the words in your Bible or through the words of their friends and father I pray you reveal yourself to them so that they can really know that you love them and that you are for them right now in Jesus name amen hey if that prayer was for you and if you felt like I prayed with you for the very first time right now I just want to say a huge welcome to the family congratulations you have made the best decision that anyone can make and I want to encourage you to do a couple of things the first thing I want you to do is tell someone you can hit that button that's popped up on your screen right now and we will be able to pray with you because doing this journey as a Christian sometimes is not easy but we want to ensure that we can do everything that we can to make sure we can do that with you so tell someone but also tune in next Sunday hey we love that we can hear from people in our church who have done the journey who've run the race before us who we can learn from and who we can look to so join in next Sunday but also get involved in the week we have so many things happening on in the week we have Bible studies we have Alpha course starting soon we have just we have youth on Fridays hey if you want to get involved why don't you fill out a red card why don't you just pop something in the chat right now and we can get you connected but until next Sunday we can't wait to just meet you in person when we're back in this in this room filling this space and enjoying God's presence together